For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Attention BetMGM customers. Have a friend who loves sports as much as you do? Here's a chance for both of you to earn a $50 bonus when they sign up through BetMGM's Refer-A-Friend program. Just sign into your BetMGM account and click on the Refer-A-Friend program to send your friend a message inviting them to register a new account in the same state you use BetMGM in. Once your friend signs up and makes a deposit, they'll receive a $50 bonus. And once your friend places a bet with their bonus and the wager is settled, you'll receive a $50 bonus as well. Share the excitement and get a $50 bonus every time you refer a friend to BetMGM. Visit BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. Must be 21 years of age or older to wager. Ohio only. New and existing customer offer. All promotions are subject to qualification and eligibility requirements. Rewards issued as non-withdrawable bonus bets. Bonus bets expire in 30 days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. Hi folks, welcome to another episode of Film Study. This is Ken McCusick. Uh, we're here to talk about the Ravens, of course, and today an interesting topic. We're going back to talk about Ray Rice's 2011 season. Now, Ray Rice had some good years. This was one of them, kind of in the middle of this. Here to talk to me about it is Tyler Gross. Tyler, how are you doing? Doing well, Ken. How are you? Uh, always a pleasure to talk football with you, Tyler. And I, I've, I'm glad you've kind of suggested the season to go back through some of the great seasons. And Ray Rice's 2011, certainly one of the great offensive seasons. Uh, a player who the entire Ravens offense really ran through in that era. For sure. Um, he he had a, a three, four-year run where you could have just handpicked a season out of that out of that era and you'd have been had something to talk about. But he he was really the bright spot for the offense. And um, that, you know, offense was a little harder for the Ravens to come by back then. You know, it, it, felt, it felt like a more of a strain to get in the end zone. And he um, he made it a lot easier, for sure. Yeah, uh, he had a four-year yards from scrimmage run of 2041, 1776, 2068, and 1621 from 09 to 12. Uh, down year in 13, even though he played 15 games. And uh, one of the great things about Ray Rice is he, he was always there uh, when when, uh, when he was uh, on the roster. He did uh, play only 13 games his rookie year. He did have some, some misses with injuries, but then he missed one game in his final year 2013 with the Ravens played every game in between 
um, it was always a hell of a player. For sure. You can tell by the numbers that you just listed off how big of a, a part of the offense that he was for a, uh, for the team. I think part of it was that he was the best player on the, on the offensive side, so they funneled the ball into him as much as they could. But also, he was just a really well-balanced player that you didn't want to have off the field. You know, he, he was a good pass blocker, obviously great receiver, great runner, short yardage, explosive. Yeah, did, did it all well. It was, certainly was Flacco's check down guy. Uh, Flacco, okay, a big difference between the Ravens of today and the Ravens of back then is the difference between Flacco and Lamar and how that affects other elements of scheme for the team. So one thing with Lamar is he likes to have a lot of verticals run, a lot of effective clear outs of his running area run, and he's his own check down. So the offense doesn't really have that. He extends plays, extends plays, and then he takes off with the football. Really does not have another guy that, that, he, that he just dumps the ball off to who is kind of the designated runner in those situations. He's, he's very dangerous. Anyway, with, with Flacco, very different, obviously. And it, it was, a, it was a, uh, a case where he always wanted that check down option. And in fact, he would very quickly go through reads, oftentimes, you know, read one, read two, dump. Uh, you know, not taking the time to survey or trying to extend plays. There were exceptions to that, of course, in, in Flacco's career. But his his uh, uh, general mode of operation was uh, check, check, rice. And, <laughs> yeah, uh, it was. It was uh, <laughs> yeah, I remember. I remember um, him catching heat for a, for a few of those seasons for being too quick to go to that check down, and it was kind of a a double edged sword because you could throw it to him, you know, behind the line of scrimmage, and then he pops it for twenty yards. And it looks like a great play, but really it was just him doing all of everything. And then you, you know, I think Flacco maybe got a little too reliant on that sometimes as like the bailout option. But they also mm-hmm. found really creative ways to get him the ball. Like during that season, um, Cam Cameron, they they ran out of the gun mostly, if, if I remember right, and they mm-hmm. would um, have Rice on whichever side he was on, and then often would motion him to the wide receiver on the outside and then run like a little smoke screen or put him in the slot and, you know, try to try to draw that linebacker out into space, um, which was always in Ray Rice's favor, that matchup. So they found creative ways to, to keep him as involved as they could. Yeah, lots of certainly uh, lots of ways you can use a player like that. And uh, oftentimes he's the player that they're reading the defense with. So if they have him in motion, they're trying to see what the linebacker is doing, what a safety is doing, who are they trying to put on Ray Rice. And that'll tell them a lot about about what else is going on with the uh, uh, with the defense on the play in terms of how you can get your receivers open, what what Flacco maybe can go to in terms of his reads. So uh, a very valuable player in terms of how he dictated the defense react to him. Yeah, definitely. And it's, you know, the, it's one of my favorite um like not so talked about seasons specifically because that 2011 team, I think you and I both agree was maybe the best of that era, that Flacco era, that including the one that won the Super Bowl. There's a couple years in there. Um, but I really think they had it that year and it just literally balls bouncing the wrong way. You know, Lee Evans drop and then the kind of, kind of kick cost them the Super Bowl most likely. But that team was so fun because Ray Rice was the fun guy to watch on offense. And he was, he was, you know, always making really cool plays. He had the jump cut style that was, you know, like making highlight reels. And, um, you know, it's, it was always fun to watch the defense, but that was, he was one of those guys for those a few years where he made it fun to watch the offense as well. Yeah. 
Yeah, he, he, he was that. Now, one of the things we were talking about in our production meeting that, that was kind of interesting about Ray Rice this year, he had 704 receiving yards. And you get a little bit of difference from various sources, but approximately 723 yards after the catch. <laughs> yeah. Now, what that means is his average, average depth of target was negative. For the year. He right. caught the ball on average behind the line of scrimmage and then uh, took off. And that really speaks to a lot of the, the specific dump routes that, that he would be taking in that. And he, he, let's see, he was targeted that year, let's see, 104 times with 76 receptions. So that's up there, by the way, people who started with football like I did in the 1970s. Lydell Mitchell was a enormous receiving uh, running back who uh, had that kind of relationship with Burt Jones where, where he would be found all over the field and, and a lot of screen passes, a lot of short passes. But, uh, uh, you know, the Ravens, I, I don't know that they had a running back in between who is in that category at all in terms of of uh, a, a guy who really racked up receptions the way Rice did. I know Jamal had one pretty significant year of catches. I'm trying to think if there's anybody else, maybe Priest Holmes for a year or anything. I was going to say maybe, yeah, maybe Priest Holmes. Um, I mean, I don't think so. Ricky Williams was a pretty good receiving back who was in the, that same backfield as well. They were, they were, um, they were pretty complimentary. I don't think so though. Cause Ray, I mean th- that Ray Rice was uh, arguably him and Matt Forte were considered like the best receiving threats that, at that time. Um, they were really good. Even by today's standards, they would be considered really good receiving threats. So uh, obviously Ray's career ended the way it did, and we, I don't want to really dwell on that, but do you think there's a chance uh, before we get back to the 2011 season in particular that, that Ray will be in the ring of honor someday? You know, I was thinking about, uh, I was thinking about that. I don't know. It's hard. I, I don't think so just because the way, the way that it all went down, you know, I just, I don't know that, the 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 love is there from the team's side and i don't know that they they feel like they would have a positive fan reaction and that's kind of you know there's some there's politics involved right you know it's that, it, that does make it difficult i mean i remember i remember being salty about it myself when um when i thought that it made the the ravens front office look like they had egg on their face because based on the stuff that came out it seemed like he misled them to as far as what happened and then they backed him and 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 then the video came out and then it made the ravens look like they were supporting what he did when in fact they were kind of led to believe that that wasn't the case that what really happened right it's it's um it's it definitely is a case where a a team needs to not opine on the situation uh, there's there's no there's no value in doing so when there's any kind of a, a, a criminal or domestic or whatever it is kind of dispute like that. Um, there's there's no there's no reason to opine. The, the team gains nothing from from releasing a statement that that takes a strong stand, you know, one way or the other. And uh, you know, the Browns should be the same way with Deshaun Watson right now, and just saying basically, look, we want to let this this play out the way it plays out. Uh, we obviously. Uh, believe the preponderance of evidence is in Deshaun's side, and that's why we signed him. That that's okay, but it's kind of even going too far. I, I think you know basically the the best thing you can do is say, hey, look, we want to let this play out. We we support Ray Rice in his process here, but you know I, there, there's no need to to opine strongly that it will work out or it won't work out from the team's basis. Yeah, it's 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 complicated too. I I understand the um, 
the games that they have to play up there as far as, you know, the optics and you're essentially a public company and everyone is mm-hmm. looking at your employees in their personal life and public life. And so, you know, just by continuing their employment with the team, you're, you're in a way making a statement. So I could see why maybe they, you know, teams feel pushed towards making a declarative statement, you know, one way or the other. But yeah, I mean, in hindsight, they shouldn't have done that. Right. Well, three-time Pro Bowl player for the Ravens, and that 2011 season was really something special. You want to talk about some of the individual games from it? Yeah. So one of the reasons that um, that I love that season is that he he stuck it to the Steelers pretty good uh, right out of the gates. That that Week One game against the Steelers was um, we just blew the doors off him, and yep. and he played really well. His balance, he had such good balance. It was really crazy how, how low, I mean, he was a short guy and he would like use his hand to keep his balance a lot. And he, he was going right in the hole and, and um, going head to head with Palomalu and, and um, Harrison and all those guys. And he had over 100 yards. I think he had a pretty good yards per carry average, almost, uh, yeah, 5.6 yards per carry, uh, good receiving yards. And he had, he had two or three games where he, he he was just like unstoppable and they were all against division opponents you know like Cl- the cleveland game in week 14 or something he had 200 over 200 yards the final week of the season against cincinnati he had 190 yards let me stop you for a second because i want to go back to, to week one there and certainly one of the biggest wins in ravens histories for for a lot of reasons or one of the uh, but but I'll, I'll get to this in just a second. But the very first play of the year, Rice ran off left tackle. And I think they had Bryant McKinney. Mm-hmm. They just brought in in 2011 yep. to, to play that position. And McKinney made a nice seal block. And Rice ran for about 35 yards on that very first play from scrimmage. And two plays later, uh, Flacco hit Bolden in the end zone to go up 7 nothing. The Ravens then turned that game into a turnover fest. They, they uh, had seven takeaways. And uh, the Steelers had none. And Tomlin was getting visibly upset on the sidelines. But if you want to see the one game where the great Ravens defenders are all featured, you want to show your grandson one game, Get bring out that game. And Ray Lewis, Ed Reed, Haloti Nada, and Terrell Suggs all had some of the best games of their career. Mm-hmm. Um, each each was involved in one or more turnovers. Uh, I believe three of the four were involved in at least two turnovers. Uh, really? Nada had an incredible play uh, in in the backfield, involved in meaning that they might have forced a fumble, they might have recovered mm-hmm. a fumble. Nada Nada had a fumble forced on Mendenhall, where Mendenhall looked like he wanted to lay down and die. Oh basically. my god, that's one of my favorite Ravens plays yeah. ever. <laughs> yeah. You know what it looked. You know what it, you know what it kind of looks like is that you know the Jadavian Clowney play in college that you know, made him like a super mega star where he just blows right past the left guard and, and mm-hmm. the running back. It's, it's kind of like that play. It's similar. Yeah, it definitely, it definitely, uh, uh, it was a, it was a, maybe a missed assignment, but it was definitely a, uh, not a in the backfield immediately. And Mendenhall wanted no part of it. And, yeah. uh, uh, turtled up a little bit. The ball still came out. Nada recovered it himself. He then the the very next time they had the football might have been the very next play from scrimmage that they ran. Nada tipped the ball up at the line of scrimmage, and Ray Lewis intercepted it. So it was just all, all day long. Suggs and Lewis and Reed. Reed had two picks in the yep. game. Uh, you know, that, that Suggs jumped up and picked off the screen pass. That was another game, but okay. yes, that's, that was incredible. Yeah. <laughs> that was maybe the best, maybe the best um, edge screen reader ever. 
Like just yeah. reading, reading the screen coming off the edge. He was so good at that. The peekaboo interception. He had one of those in uh, uh, practice one year at camp. And it was just the talk of camp for for uh, days afterwards. It was it was one of these incredible things. And Dennis Pitta was at the stage that day to talk about it. And he said, you know, I don't know how he knew to do that because that's the first time we've run that play this preseason. You know, this camp. Yeah. And and and, and sure enough, he's ducking down and he jumps right up and and he intercepted whoever was at quarterback. It was probably Flacco, but. Uh, I don't know if you believe what? in statement games, but that if if you do, that was that was a that was a statement game coming out there because that was I think it was Lamar Woodley in the 2010 offseason had made a statement. Remember he said something like Flacco will never win a Super Bowl or something like that. <laughs> Everyone was all up in arms about it, and then we came out um, right away in Week One and stuck it to him. Right. Oh, that it, they were coming off a lot of pain against the Steelers. Losing that game in Pittsburgh in the playoffs in 2010 was one of the really painful games. It's probably about number three on my list. Have a 14 point lead and blow it. Uh, they were up, you know, 21 seven. They they looked like they really had it, and then the usual house of horrors kind of thing started happening, and they end up losing the game 31 uh, 24. They would have had a chance to play the Jets for the AFC Championship yep. and go to the Super Bowl. That you know that was another kind of a lost season from from that respect. There's certainly a very, very good Ravens team in 2010. In my opinion, the, 20, the 2009 team was even better than both of those teams, hmm. despite the fact they only went 9-7. and seven. And the 2008 team was fantastic. Yeah. Um, just fantastic. One of the really great defenses. And you know, Flacco's rookie year, he wasn't as good as he as he would become in 2012, but uh, but still, you know, was was a good enough game manager with a great defense to. to the offense was worse, though, don't you think? Those 09-08 teams. The the 08 and 09 teams are the two greatest offensive lines the Ravens have ever had. The the basically they're the Jared Gaither era offensive lines, and Jared Gaither. Uh, in this, in in usually his name is used as a pejorative, but not in this case. It's a it's a uh, that was good Gaither. Uh, very, it was a, that was good Gaither. Yeah. yeah, and then and then he he basically gave up on football after the Ravens wanted to move him to right tackle, and then he signed a contract. Sorry, he went for 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 a very short period of time to play for the Chargers. The last four games of the year, and he's great. Decided he wanted to play football again. Signed a four-year, $24 million deal with them, which was a lot at the time. Yeah. <laughs> and, he pulled uh, a Hainsworth. Yes. Yeah. Yes, he did. Yeah. He, he gave up on the game. and they, they, Chargers fans will never forgive him for that. Yeah, that's a th- that's a, that's a, <laughs> that happens with tackles for some reason. Because this season, this 2011 season, we got Bryant McKinney because he showed up to the uh, Minnesota camp like over 400 pounds. And they just cut him on the spot. And they're like, all right, you know, you're 60 pounds heavier than you're supposed to be, and that, I mean, that was found money for us. He ended up, he ended up having a yeah. good season, but yeah, the, sometimes those uh, those tackles, they don't, um, they don't have the, the same work ethic you'd expect. Yeah, I, I even some of that I even I even put on Michael Orr. Um, now I know that the Ravens probably messed up Michael Orr from moving him from right tackle to left tackle. Some of that's on the Ravens. Some of it's on Orr wanting to do it more than you know he should have. If he just stayed at right tackle and played like he did his rookie year, he'd have had a near Hall of Fame career. Uh, he might have even made the Hall of Fame. I mean, it's just he, he was that good as a rookie. And his career ended up being a ski slope with these moves to, to left tackle and whatnot. And that was something that, frankly, dogged Rice in his career. All of his good years, Michael Orr was kind of uh, going through his performance slide with the Ravens as he went through his five-year period uh, w- with the team. And and uh, and that was really a shame. It's a, he, he, you know we don't 
think about Michael Orr in the same way negatively as some of the other first-round draft picks. Part of it is probably he's an offensive lineman. Part of it is the apologists that still are there in terms of, of him being really more jerked around by the Ravens than what was going on. Or maybe his, maybe Gaither's behavior and McKinney's behavior always putting him in a bad spot. But you know, the, the Ravens had a chance when he was at right tackle. <coughs> Um, and, and when he's at left tackle, he, was, he just played very poorly. There. You know, I've heard you say this before about Orr. Uh, it, I, I wonder how much, how much like permanent developmental damage you can do, though, just by moving someone mm-hmm. to one side. I know that it's, it's unusual to see someone be so good in their rookie year and then, and then just get worse and worse, but it, it does kind of happen. Like, Dewan Landry's best season was his rookie year. Mm-hmm. He was really good, and then if and then he just kind of just steadily got worse and worse. He was he was terrible, but he was never close to that. And if he had switched to free safety a second year and then back to strong safety, and it had the same career arc, you would have been able to say, well, maybe the free safety thing hurt him developmentally. I don't. I mean, just you know, a lot of a lot of linemen move around though. The the difference I I would make between Landry and Orr specifically is that Orr is a first round draft pick. It came with an enormous pedigree. Uh, you know, obviously, forget the the fact that the book had already been written and whatnot. I mean, he's a 23rd overall pick. Mm-hmm. Uh, y- you've got to expect a higher floor on that player than you would on a player. I mean, you're not. You, it's just not a boomer bust pick like a fifth round pick like Duan Landry is. Yeah. And I, I, a lot of people were very concerned that Landry wasn't going to be good enough uh, as the only reasonable second safety option the Ravens had at that point to go with Ed Reed. And sure enough, he turned into a great, uh, great rookie. Year. Sure. And uh, yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm, I didn't hear what you th- did. You what do you think about the Ring of Honor with Ray Rice? Where would you stand on that? Uh, I I think I would be for it. Um, I I I want some time to pass. Hmm. Okay. Uh, I I I think you know one of the things that that we can tend to do as human beings is forgive things when they happen long ago i mean you, you sometimes you meet somebody you knew a long time ago and it just matters that you knew him more than you had a problem with him at at, at some point or you were constantly getting bickering at work or doing other things I mean, it just matters that you knew him mm-hmm. and you're happy to see him again i think there's some of that with ray rice that would be good so if another 10 years pass maybe maybe it's the, the time is right the people who enjoyed him as a young man or young a teenager will appreciate having him be in the ring of honor when they're 45 mm. and uh you know they, they can um you know be, so you know 2035 2040 um would might be reasonable right. for 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 when it would happen uh the, the ravens certainly will have their dry spells when they're when they're looking for ring of honor players right, right. And, and rice is a uh uh you know a, a a guy who's on the outside there's a few others like there kelly Gregg is a guy i think Honestly, probably could be considered. Yeah, well, I mean, he's worthy from a from a play standpoint. He played well enough to, I think, warrant being in there. Yeah, I, you know, I w- it wouldn't bother me if he was in there, but I just think the team would, you know, maybe just try to play the political game and and try not to upset people. But yeah, in twenty thirty, people probably won't care. Yeah, it's. It, I, I kind of wonder if there will be an ebb and flow to the PCness of the world. I hope so. That would allow, yeah. I mean, I, I I think I'd be for a slight move in the other direction too, at least. I mean, I, I I don't want to be insensitive. I understand about all these things, and and it's not making it easier to have Roe v. Wade repealed and things like that that mm-hmm. are, that are causing you know our constant you know pokes at this at this kind of thing. But uh, but I hope you know we we get to love each other all a little better, and 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 the world is a little bit 
easier place to forgive other people at. And then I think that's when Ray Rice gets his moment. Yeah. Yeah. I hope so. I hope so. He could, he, that, that four or five years, cause his second season, he was amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I thought at the time I, I was, I thought he would be a hall of famer. He really, mm-hmm. he, the video, the video thing, the incident, whatever was, was really poorly timed, obviously in the obvious way, but also career wise, because he had had a down year and he was a little yep. older and running backs, you know, had a, had, there was a moniker that they, they didn't last past like 30. So he was right at that time where that was the worst possible time for that to come out. And he, I think he was good enough to, to, um, to play in the NFL still certainly, but it just wasn't worth teams, you know, dealing with the, the backlash. Um, I, I don't think he would have been a hall of famer, but. Yeah, they usually go by the December 31st age, but sometimes you go by the opening day age. So it doesn't matter. I'm just going to tell you, Ray Rice did not turn. He was 26 for his entire 2013 season. So while that is, you know, treadwear matters, and he'd had a lot of treadwear at that point. He had 1,430 rushes. He had another 486 targets, 369 receptions. So you're talking about a guy who had 1,800, 1,799 touches in his uh, NFL career. Mm-hmm. That's not insignificant for, for a running back. Mm-hmm. So the decline, I, if I were handicapping it, I would not have projected Ray Rice to return to anything really close to what he had been. No. Uh, yeah. No, that's. But, but still, great player. Yeah, for sure. Great player. And um, that's se- uh, I mean, that season and the 2009 season, I think he pretty, pretty heavily carried the offense. You know, him and, I mean, Bolden in the 2011 was a big help in Pitta as well, but. He was he was the catalyst for most of the offensive firepower or like moving the chains. Yeah. All right. So uh, one of the things that happened in two, are we done talking about 2011 or do you want to talk about some other individual games? I guess I'll ask it to you. Uh, oh, from the, uh, the 2011 season. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Fire away. Well, the, the big game against Cleveland where he had uh, over 200 yards. Yeah. I don't know how many 200-yard games he had in his career, but it wasn't many. No. Uh, so this might have been the only one. Uh, 29 carries for 204 uh, in that game. And, and it was a game that uh, uh, that the Ravens won at Cleveland um, on, on their way to securing the... the uh, uh, two seed? The two... The, wait, the... They were the two seed. That's mm-hmm. right. In, in two... The, okay. Did they have a bye in 2011? I'm trying to think. Yeah. Yeah, they just had the... They played... That's right. They played the Texans. Texans. You're right. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so they did. They did. And I... Uh, that... Uh, obviously, that stretch run was a was a, was a a big run for them. And they they won that game 24-10. Um, is there another game that year that sticks out? Yeah, the, the Cincinnati game. Uh, at the very end of the season, he had 190 yards, two touchdowns. 191 yards, two touchdowns. Um, he was he was incredible that game. Yeah. That was um, he, uh, I think that was the game. You remember the play where he catches the ball over the, or I think he runs the ball up the middle and gets gets hit by the two guys and then kind of spins out to the left and then keeps running. I don't remember that play. Yeah, that's weird I'm because thinking. I have a visual memory of, of, of a lot of plays in Ravens history. But that's, a, that's, a, that's a mystery. But it's, it, it's, it's one of his, it's one of his uh, fun career highlight plays where it's like a really big run and he he's taking it across the middle towards the left and the guy comes and hits him and then the other guy comes from the back left angle and then hits him and knocks the first defender loose and he kind of spins out of it 
huh. and just takes off for you know one of those great balance uh, kind of running plays. That game was really fun as well. I can't remember. I think I, that was that was like the good Cincinnati team too. I think that was like the Andy Dalton Cincinnati Bengals that were kind of feisty, right? They made it. I want to say they made it in eleven to the playoffs, uh-huh. and I think, I think, in fact, that during that game, the Ravens were just holding off the Bengals, who needed to win and be in. And right, either right before or right after fourth down, they got the news from I think it was Oakland that that another team had lost to put them in, even though they had lost the game. Mm. Oh, I don't remember that. So, yeah, so it was a kind of a weird situation like that I'll, I'll have to look back and see if i actually have the year right might, might that might have been it, it could have been 2010 but i think it was 2011 yeah was the, just, so that was a was that was a game. that was a good Bengals uh team so that was an important an important game i just like that season i remember feeling like like the games that that, that i that i wanted you know him to play well in or that we needed he put up he put up good numbers or, or put up a good game the, the pittsburgh game um that towards the end of the season when we needed to beat cleveland than the, the the Cincy game at the very end there. I think the Texans were the team that beat the Bengals, if I recall correctly. And then the Texans came and played the Ravens. Mm-hmm. Um, so the Texans were probably the four seed that year, winning the Central, I'm guessing. But it's it's been a long time. Oh, yeah. I can't re- really recall. Um, but that that game was uh, that game was something too. The, the entire era was very special. The entire Flacco Rice. Uh, first five years of the Harbaugh era, just it, it will always be an incredibly special time in Ravens history. The fact that it culminated in the Super Bowl was very important, but uh, two great draft picks coming along in the same draft, mm-hmm. uh, joining an incredible defensive cast that was largely already there uh, in, with the Big Four, Nada Suggs, um, uh, Lewis, and Reed all have been there for for a, you know, a fair amount of time already, but they. Uh, uh, certainly got a lot of a lot of additional chances for postseason postseason success added by the addition of of Rice and Flacco. Yeah, I I could I could be off by a year or two, but didn't isn't that the draft they took Ladarius Webb as well? Ladarius Webb was two thousand and nine. Oh, he was the year after. Yeah. Okay, yeah, great pick. Yeah, I thought that. Okay, so that draft was that was that the Pitta uh, Ed Dixon draft then? That was two thousand ten. And Yanda was 2007, right? Okay, with Grubbs, but his two guards. Okay, so it was just Grubbs. it was it was Flacco and Rice were the were the two hits off off that. Okay, that 09 draft. Yeah, I I, I don't I'm not sure. Oh wait, I'm not sure if there was another guy in the 08 draft I, that I thought that there was. was. I th- I've, I've, well, let's take a quick look here. Just, we got time. Uh, so if I go to the Ravens in 08, they drafted. Flacco in the first round, Ray Rice in the second, then Tavares Gooden, Tom Zibikowski, O'Neill Cousins, Marcus Smith. Marcus Smith, interesting player. Never had a reception in his career for the Ravens, yet in the 2008 postseason uh, with the team trailing 16-7, to he uh, drew a huge pass interference call in the end zone that set up the Ravens' second touchdown and got them within striking distance. And They, they did eventually get their chance in that game. Zibikowski was after, solid. Not terrible. Yeah. Um, but but not a good third round pick, you know. He's, yeah. he's a over overpriced for that. And then David Hale, Haruki Nakamura, Justin Harper, and Alan Patrick. So it's pretty much Rice and Gooden. Yeah. Tavares Gooden played a few games. Yeah. Tom Zabikowski, I think, is the only uh, NFL player ever to also be a professional boxer. Remember that he was a, he was a pro boxer. Oh, 
Really? Yeah. Huh. Yeah, I thought you know there, there. I thought there would have been other players who would have tried that. He was literally doing professional uh, boxing matches in the, at the same at time. The time he was playing on the Ravens. Okay, that's a terrible idea. <laughs> yeah, that should never be allowed. <laughs> I mean, what you're first setting yourself up for is a non-football injury designation. If you get hurt there, it's you're it's it's on you. Yeah. Uh, but but the guy I do remember a guy from the seventies, Ed Too Tall Jones, tried professional boxing. It might have been after his NFL career was over. Oh, did he really? But. Yeah, but it was it was. I mean, we could Google it. I guess huh. if we if we want to check it out. He played for out. the I, he played I, for the Colts. Uh, right. He played for the Cowboys. At the uh, he was a six. He was really tall guy who was a defensive end. I know. I remember the player. I thought he played for the uh, the Baltimore Colts. Uh, uh, let me see. Did he? Maybe. Maybe at the end of his career. Um, let's see if there's anything left for him. All right, there's a boxing career, Cowboys career, boxing career, Cowboys career, second stint. <laughs> that sounds like a really bad yeah. <laughs> sequence of events to have. I wonder if he was any good. Yeah, good. he was definitely a good pass rusher. I don't think he was any good as a boxer. Yeah. <laughs> so. Herschel, Herschel Walker is an MMA guy now. Did not know yeah, that. Yeah, he turned, he turned into, he's, he's super jacked, and he's like a pro MMA fighter, but not like... He's like 45 or I something. I know, it's crazy. He? Not, he's not in the yeah. UFC. I think he's in one of the other ones, Pride or something like that. All right. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So anyway, uh, really appreciate having you on to talk a little Ray Rice and a whole lot of you know, other little miscellaneous stuff. <laughs> sure. but this is uh, always fun. Uh, Tyler, tell folks where they can talk football with you. Uh, Twitter, it's uh, Tyler Gross. That's uh, that's pretty okay. much it. At Tyler, at at aren't you at Crazy Raven eighty eight on Twitter? Oh, okay. Oh, it, it might be you. Yeah, maybe it's that. It's a K R A Z Y R A V E N eighty eight. Okay, and and your your Tyler Gross is the name that shows right. on your thing. That shows you how much if I know about Twitter. Twitter. That's confusing. Yeah. <laughs> shows you how much I know about it. <laughs> Really appreciate having you on, Tyler. If other folks out there, if you'd like to talk football with me sometime uh, on a film study short, hit me up. Uh, I'll be looking for people even in season to do a show once per week. Um, I'm looking to do a new show about irony in football. If you come up with topics for that, that would be a very cool thing. So I can't believe we got here when just you know a while ago we were here. Or can you believe this team now wants this player to play this position when they said you know six months ago? Anyway, whatever you, you consider to be irony or, or or you know humorous situations that occur, love to hear from you on that. Uh, if you'd like to do a, a, a short on that and, and talk about some of these funny situations, it'd be a chance to expand upon that. How about a twenty minute show on it? Anyway, uh, Tyler, thanks again for joining us. Thanks for having me. And we'll talk to you next time on Film Study. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early, so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts, so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.